This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. This is season five, episode 64. Y'all, I'm so excited that we're back. It's amazing. This is like a big milestone, season five. I'm thrilled to death about it in case you couldn't tell. But um, I have some really awesome things in store, and this episode is no exception to that. I knew I had to start off with a bang. So this episode, I'm featuring Heather McFadden from the Don't Mom Alone podcast, which was formerly the God-Centered Mom podcast. So Heather's not an adoptive mom, but I was so excited to have her on the show just to talk about living motherhood out loud and the community that we create through this podcast world and how that could help us to be better moms, to be better to ourselves, to be better in our relationship with God and just everything. And so um, let me tell you a little bit about Heather before we dive into the episode. So she has been married since the turn of the century, which she says sounds more impressive than it is. She's a mother of four young boys born exactly to the day within six and a half years. Um, And just in case you didn't hear, that's four boys, like all males in her house besides her. That's crazy to me. She hosts the Don't Mom Alone podcast weekly, and she interviews fellow journeyers on the topic of motherhood. Her heart is for moms to know God's great delight over them and how he sees the unseen eternal work they do every day. And through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship, she reminds gals that they don't mom alone. Um, Yeah, so obviously we had a really great chat, and I am really excited for you guys to hear it. However, before that, let me remind you guys, I want you and I to be Facebook official. And when I say Facebook, I really mean all of social media. So I want you to go to Facebook and follow the Adoptive Mom podcast page. If you're not a part of the Adoptive Mom community, search for that. Definitely join us there. And then on Instagram, I'm at the Adoptive Mom. Definitely follow me on all of those places so that you can be completely and totally in the know on all things Adoptive Mom podcast. Um, I believe that is all the housekeeping items that I have. So without further ado, let's jump into season five with Heather McFadden. All right, everyone, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. And I am so excited about my guest today. I know you heard it in the intro, but um, this lady was one of the hugest inspirations for me to start the Adoptive Mom podcast. So I'm thrilled to death to be talking to her. And with that said, welcome to the show, Heather. How are you? Hey, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. I am so proud of you for being brave and getting started and putting yourself out there because if you needed this podcast, other moms do too. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that, that, I mean, we'll get into what you do later, but, you know, we're, we're so like-minded in our, in our desire to serve moms. And so, you know, thank you for saying that. Absolutely. And I love your heart and what you do for other moms too. And that's something that is really, uh, really draws people to your show is just that you're talking about this stuff. I think that moms can feel so isolated. And like I said, we can get into all of that later, but first, can you just take a second and introduce us to yourself and your family and what you do? Yes, I'm Heather. I'm married to Bruce. We just celebrated 20 years of marriage and we have four boys that are biological. Uh, 
they're ages seven to 13. Crazy. Uh, and I host a podcast, like you said, it's called the Don't Mom Alone podcast. It used to be called God Centered Mom. And I've been doing that for uh, five years now. Yeah. And that's crazy. So you're like, I mean, at this point, you're like a seasoned veteran because so many people in the podcast world, you know, they'll do it for a while and they fade out, but you are hanging strong after five years. So that's, that's huge. How do you like keep going? Um, my husband is my pep talker. He's the (laughs) one that if I'm like, forget it, if I get any little bit of criticism or pushback, um, he reminds me of why I'm doing it. And it also was really helpful in the last year. I think it was October last year. I added an editor before that I was editing all my own shows. And so it was hours of time doing that. And then, um, a couple years before that I added a, a virtual assistant and she helps with the show notes. So adding people to the team, doing exactly what I'm telling moms to do. Don't mom alone. Don't podcast alone. You have your husband helping you. I just think that that helps keep you going when you're not carrying the load all by yourself. Absolutely. And that's such great advice because, um, yeah, pod, like you guys listening, this is not just like you hit record and you work for an hour a week. This is like a lot of work. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Yes. Even just scheduling guests like you have done to get me on the show. It takes time to find people and reach out to them and coordinate when to do the interviews. And yeah. And then you get all the emails from people who want to be on the show, which is great. It's such an honor that people want to come on the show, but managing even that becomes mm-hmm. another part-time job. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and so, you know, here is usually when I ask people to tell their adoption story and, you know, you and I, <laughs> you and I have talked before about, um, about your situation with adoption. And I know that adoption has been part of your life because of family members for a while, but it's also something that hits close to home for you. So do you mind just talking to us about all of that? I would be honored. So yeah, I, I have always been open to adopt in our family, uh, because, of my storyline. So my mom and dad became pregnant uh, when my mom was 16 and actually chose to elope. They crossed the border of Indiana into Kentucky and lied about my mom's age, said she was 18. Uh, Long story short, they did uh, get married and they had my sister. Um, My grandparents had wanted my mom to move to Arizona and place her baby for um, my sister for adoption. But my parents chose um, to get married, (laughs) and uh, they were married 55 years, which I know isn't everyone's story, um, but that's their story. And then that sister, actually, she had several miscarriages and ended up um, adopting my nephew from a mom who was pregnant in high school. So it was kind of this full circle story of the fact that... um, My mom uh, did not place my sister for adoption, but then my sister ended up uh, adopting my nephew through adoption. And so I, my, my sister is 16 years older than me. And so when she did adopt my nephew, I was in high school and college. And so I've been a part of that journey the whole time. And he's basically mine too. And so when we started having kids, I thought, oh, I'd really, this is on my heart. I would really love to adopt. And then we, we just kept having boys and I thought, okay, (laughs) well, uh, we thought that would be, um, not an easy thing. My husband has 
three sisters. His dad had four sisters and his grandfather is an only child. And so their last name was dependent on us having boys. And so there was a little bit of pressure. And then once we had our first, I was like, all right, we did it. So we we're good. We can have the girls now. And then um, they just kept coming. And so after our third son, um, I really was researching a lot, you know, those late nights where you're Googling all the things and friends of ours were adopting. And I thought, okay, this, I think this is for us. I think it's time. We, we really want one more. We want to, it didn't feel finished. Three didn't feel finished. And so we would love to have had a fourth child. We both came from families of four. And so I thought, this is it. We're going to bring a child into our life through adoption. And I was looking at international adoption. Um, I'd watched a documentary. It's a really hard one to watch. It's called, it's a girl, the three most deadliest words or mm, something in the world. Yeah. It's, it covers India and China and just um, the gender side of being killed because you're born a girl. And so I thought, well, there's my answer. They are not wanting girls and I am wanting a girl. So um, let's look into this. And the more I did research, I realized actually in China, and you guys probably cover this in your adoption podcast. I'm, I may not be saying anything new, but... Um, that actually there were more boys up for adoption than girls because of how strongly they believe in the ancestry line and that uh, they don't want to bring in a male into a um, national Chinese family who's not of their bloodline. That's harder for them than bringing a female in through adoption. So more international adoptions are of boys, which I didn't know. Yeah, no, um, I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, and, and India, um, I didn't get very far in my research in India because I was finding that my husband was very hesitant to adopt. Um, he grew up traveling internationally. He would spend months at a time in Africa, Russia. I mean, he has most of his quote unquote vacations were actually in foreign countries while his dad did medical missions. And so it wasn't that he was opposed to an international experience or a cultural experience. It was, um, Something in him just did not feel a piece about bringing our fourth child into our family through adoption. And he said, if we ever adopted, I could see us adopting older children domestically later in life. So that's what God had put on his heart. And I was picturing um, a little girl from India or China. And so it was just wasn't a match. And uh, that's hard. That's a hard place. And maybe someone listening who's really wanting to adopt is in that same place. And I, I get you. I feel you. And I know that that's a hard place to be. Absolutely. And you know, you're right. I get so many questions about this where, you know, it, I feel like it's often moms, you know, there are certainly dads out there who, you know, it's switched and they're the ones who are seeking after adoption. And I know people like that, but most of their inquiries I get are from moms who have a heart for this and their husbands don't. And, um, you know, so just tell us about that. You know, how did that make you feel and how did you push past that? Are you at peace now or is this still a longing in your heart? So I think one key is, um, trusting God in all things that we can't see. We never know what's going on bigger than ourselves. And I think sometimes in the narrative of adoption, um, we have to check our own hearts. Are we doing this for our own reasons or are we truly following God's plan for our life? Are we doing this mm. because it gets us some gold star from other Christians? Oh, you're an adoptive family and there's this patting on the back. and um, Or are we doing this purely, we really, truly are led by the Lord 
to go to this place. And even if it's hard, even if it's not what we pictured, that it is God's exact um, assignment for us in that time. And um, I think in marriage, we trust that God has put you in that relationship. And um, personally, I knew that my husband wasn't um, actively reading God's word and praying. And so it was even harder for me to trust is if I'm following God and I'm listening to God and I'm having this um, desire, but I don't 100% feel like you're leaning into God's will and listening to his voice and and what you're saying is opposite, what do I do with that? And I think I've talked to moms where that's true, where the husband wants to move or the husband wants to take a new job and she doesn't feel the same way. And, um, and that in itself is a hard place when you're maybe not equally pursuing God and hearing different things. You start to wonder, well, maybe if, if the Holy Spirit was actually, you were listening to the Holy Spirit, then you would be on my page. And I think God's even bigger than that, that we have to trust that even if there's a disconnect, um, that there's something in that relationship that's refining us to trust him. And even if we're feeling pulled, if it's truly, truly God's will, no spouse is going to disrupt that. And God can change hearts, even hearts that aren't actively pursuing him. He can change. We read it in Exodus. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He can soften hearts. He can do that even if someone's not an active follower of him. So trusting that truly if it is his will, it will not be thwarted is is a hope that you can hold on to and to trust his best for your life. Girl, I love that. I'm like over here writing stuff down. Um, yeah, like that's amazing. Just saying that God, God is bigger than that because I think that so often we, you know, just naturally, I think it's cliche to say, oh, don't put God in a box. But we do that without even trying, without even thinking about it. You know, we we think like, you know, the weight of this, the weight of this situation rests squarely on my shoulders. And if I don't do something about it, then nothing will be done. And, um, and I think that as adoptive moms, we learn that so often is that, you know, we feel like we are the fix to, to the problem. We are the fix to, you know, our, our children's trauma or what they've been through. And that if we are not actively working, um, then we're dropping the ball and that they will not be fixed. And we forget that like, oh yeah, God is way bigger than that. And God is way smarter than me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just a tool in these children's lives. And we've said yes to God, not to, not to, not to being their fix, not to changing their entire lives on our own. Um, Yeah. And so I love, I love the things you're saying about that. And I think that that's going to speak to a lot of mom's hearts who are in this situation and, you know, feeling like this has to be the end and it's, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and all of this other stuff. And so to hear you say that it is an if it's not, it's not that, you know, your end goal had to stop being convincing your husband. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, yeah, it's totally getting the right perspective on who God is and who we are and where our limitedness is and that he is working and he doesn't need us. Like we get to join him in his work, but he's working. And so to kind of um, recognize our place in his plan versus just thinking I have a plan and he needs to get in place. So I think with my husband, you know, surrendering myself to if, if he's not on board and, and even like his mom, who's done a lot of work internationally. I mean, she is super involved in ministries and ministries to, um, different, you know, 
even orphanages internationally. And she did not feel a piece about it. I mean, she was, she said actually something kind of hurtful, but I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm getting a lot of stop signs here. And so, you know, we just moved forward and, uh, got pregnant with our fourth. And I'll have to tell you that he is a special one. I <laughs> really, truly know that adoption still could be in our future. Um, even I, like my husband said, older children along the way, I definitely think that he and I have a heart to um, help people grow into their best versions of themselves. And so if we can do that with uh, teens and middle schoolers who are a part of the foster care system or who um, are in need of adoption, that would be an honor. I would love to do that in our future lives. But this fourth boy is truly like I real I struggled when I found out it was another boy. <laughs> and I mean, he has just redeemed any <laughs> any pause I had to or fear or disappointment. Uh, he finishes off our group of boys really well. He brings a lot of flexibility and joy and kindness to, I mean, four boys could be kind of chaotic and crazy and he's just real tender and thoughtful and artistic. And so I, I, I get that even though it was, my plan wasn't seen and it wasn't, you know, exactly how I thought it should go, that, um, God gives good gifts and, he, we just have to trust him in that. We really, it really comes down to faith and knowing that he's, he, uh, even in the hardest things. So the last couple of years, my dad passed away and I took care of my mom while she went through chemo and radiation. And that was a hard place, but you know, the one who would give my mom the most hugs, she's not a huggy person. She's not one to grieve publicly, but it was, it was my youngest. He was always cuddling up next to her and like her little therapy dog. I mean, she, it was, it was so sweet to see that in this hard time, in this hard place, God had already given us the grace of this fourth child to be that for her. So there's a bigger, there's a bigger plan at play and we have to surrender to that. Yes. And I, you know, I love that first of all, but second, I, I think it's, kind of funny that you just brush over your like, uh, you know, four boys can be kind of hard, <laughs> like, <laughs> like no big deal. Maybe sometimes they can be hard. I don't know, but that uh, seems like yeah. a lot of smells, uh, going on in your house <laughs> lately. Yeah. Now that they're getting into puberty and teen world. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of smells. I'm sometimes I go to give a hug and I'm like, so when'd you shower last? Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. deodorant ever. No. Okay. <laughs> so go check that out. It's a new invention. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we adopted a teenager and so he's 17 now. And when we first got him, he was 14 and I just started like carrying okay. deodorant in my car. Cause like when I would pick him up from school, I'm like, Nope, outside, <laughs> just put it on before you even get in. Um, but another- yeah, one of those, what is it? Young living has those diffusers you can put in your car. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? I did. That is a great, great option. Oh yeah. If you're oily. Well, I yeah. am. Yeah. And now I'm so perfect because I have, I don't know if you know. So we have a teenager that we adopted and then we have three that are within 16 months of each other. And one of those is adopted oh, wow. as well. So wow. when the littles, I mean, they'll all hit puberty and teenagerness at the same time. And I'm just like not looking forward to it all, but I feel pretty prepared for at least the smells because I, it's like all over our world right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, yes. yeah. And the eating. <laughs> yes. All the eating. Oh, 
they're in that phase right now where, you know, I think that uh, I've heard a lot of people say that toddlers don't want anything to do with food. And then when they become like the preschoolers, they're like bottomless pits. And that's where they are right now. Like just all mm-hmm. the snacks, all the food, they, they act like they are starving. I haven't fed them in days, 10 minutes after they eat. And I'm like, what is happening? Remember, are any of year? them four? Yes. Okay. So, so a uh, guy that I interviewed, David Thomas, he's a counselor in Nashville. He says he sees more parents of, bo- he specializes in boys, but parents of boys that are four and 14 than any other age because there's a testosterone surge in both ages. Okay. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I did not know that, but I'm really and glad I to think, know that. Yeah. Girls too. I think four-year-old girls, there's like a a little emotional surge too. So they might be a little more emotional. Anything you associate with either hormone, testosterone being like the, or the like, <laughs> more, all the emotions of girls. Yeah. They, they have that. So that, that helps, right? Deal with those fours. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's good to know. Like I'm, and thank you. Thank you for telling me that because that makes so much sense. <laughs> you can sense. give grace to it now, right? Yes. He's such a little yeah. rage monster. And oh my yeah. goodness. But anyway, yeah, yep. he's he's yep. my oldest biological or oldest of the littles. Uh, it's like we have two sets of kids or, you know, the one teenager yeah. and then the three littles. But another thing I wanted to ask you, so I, I'm fascinated by birth order effect. And you just said your youngest is totally not a youngest. Like he does not act like that. Um, you know, usually youngest ones are the rebellious ones, the ones that kind of just do whatever they want. So uh, it, do you have a kid like that that just kind of is a oh, yeah. wild card? Oh, yeah. The middles. Mm-hmm, really? Sure. Okay. Yeah. The middles are, are a lot harder than my oldest and my youngest, which is the oldest. It's really nice because he leads the way with a certain manner of carrying himself and and then the youngest to kind of go along with that. Everyone gets along with the both of them. But the two middles can have a hard, harder time little more strong-willed and um, opinionated, but very different. So there's a lot of clashing in the middle, okay. for sure. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that, you know, I have friends that have four kids and they have similar stories where the middle two are the ones that don't get along. They're the ones that fight. and um, But then I'll catch them and they're laughing and they're kind of like hitting each other over a joke. And I'm like, see, you're best friends. And then they're like, <laughs> no, no, no. So I think that there's potential that they could be the closest. Um, do you know the band for King and Country? Uh-huh. So they have five boys, I think, which is really cool to see how they all each play a role in their career. Like one does lighting, one does videography, and the two are in the band. The two that are in the band were the closest and they in age, and they fought the most. And now they're doing this ministry together. And I just, it was so encouraging to me that the ones who can fight the most can get along the best later in life. Oh man, you're just like a wealth of knowledge. Cause my, my two, you know, one's adopted and one's bio, but I call them my twins because they're like the same age. And I call them frenemies because they're, they're the same. (laughs) They fight nonstop over the dumbest things. But then next thing I know, they're like inseparable. They're doing the twin, like hidden language thing. And it's just, yeah. My husband says if there, there's no relationship if there's no conflict. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, you're just like a you're you're preaching to my heart this morning, Miss Heather. Um, it's good. <laughs> well, good. So on anytime. That, yeah, absolutely. So on that note, I wanted one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was just the like I said earlier, you know, in the intro, was that your your heart for moms, your ministry in general, and and honestly one of the biggest things that I'm fascinated with is other people who are being so real, 
on such a broad platform because, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's not a lot of that. I think that motherhood can be so isolating because people, you know, there's so much, there's so much shame just on the internet and, you know, you're having to live your life in a fishbowl, so to speak, if you're on social media. And I think that even though, you know, we, we don't want to feel that we don't want to participate in that it's there. And, you know, even more so for adoptive moms, because I think that there's, there are so many different camps, you know, there's the adoptive moms who have had a really good situation and they are, they can be a little judgmental of those who, you know, haven't had it so easy. Then there's people on the outside who do just think it's really cool. And when you are not just living your best life, um, they can be judgmental of that. And I think that, like I said, there's just so many things that we can feel the pull to perform. And I've, I've tried really hard not to. And that was one of the biggest reasons I started the podcast was I was like, you know, people are not talking about this stuff, so I'm going to. Um, so what was the, you know, what, what was the reason Mm -hmm. that you wanted to start your, uh, you know, the don't mama alone podcast? Well, it started back when I had, um, Back in the blogging days, yeah. where we were barefoot and we walked to school in the snow. No, um, <laughs> I started writing there because I personally w- had tried a lot of motherhood routes. Uh, I w- had my speech language pathology degree and um, I was specializing in zero to three child development. So I thought I was going to be pretty amazing and did everything to make my oldest son's world pretty rock star, lots of stimulation, all the right formulas I followed and found it very empty still. So I tried that child-centered approach and it was um, not really (laughs) meeting my needs or his needs well, actually. It turns out if you make a world all about a kid, you can get a pretty selfish kid. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then I uh, I went the other direction completely by the time I had my third and they were all um, four and under and I was completely exhausted and I was like, when's my time? Why do you guys keep asking for food? Everyone needs me all day. I was just reacting to needs all day long and I was uh, completely spent. And so that self-centered approach wasn't very fulfilling either because I'd always wanted to be a mom. I was the little girl with the Cabbage Patch Kids and... I love babysitting so much. I created my own babysitter club, you know, after the book series. And here I was miserable in the exact thing that I've always wished for. And finally, a friend, like, so graciously uh, invited me to check out this Maximize Your Mornings ebook by my my now friend, Kat Lee. And it was all about getting up a little bit before your kids and spending time in God's word. And... I thought that was dumb at first. I thought, why would I get less sleep when I'm exhausted? But I decided to go to bed just a little bit earlier, get up five minutes earlier and look at a verse, pray, maybe look at my calendar. And slowly I just kept making the time longer that I got up and really finding it life-giving, having lots of boys and just the noise and the chaos. And my personality is more, I need quiet and I'm an extrovert, but I'm the most introverted of the extroverts. So I still need that alone time. And so having this morning time was giving me a, a little bit of of that need met before the boys even got up. And amazingly, God was also downloading a lot of help and insight into my mothering. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to start writing about this. So I wrote about it. Um, thinking if I need this, if I was at a desperate place, there's another mom out there that needs it too. And it's probably my, um, Enneagram is four. And so I can't be anything other than authentic. 
Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel right. Uh, so that just, I just started writing about it and then eventually created the podcast uh, under the name God Center Mom. And recently, Don't Mom Alone. I think what one thing you said about, you know, they're the moms who present that everything's great and it's not, or the ones who everything is great and they're just sharing their real life. I think if we find ourselves on social media and we're really struggling with that because our day didn't look that great and we're comparing ourselves to the highlight reels of everybody else, we need to check the fact that maybe we shouldn't be on there for a while uh, and, and focus in on our life right now. So if I'm struggling in my life right now, where can I put energy or where can I surrender or what can I do to kind of figure out why is it not great? Is it something that's preventable or is it something that is just for this season? Uh, Kids go in and out of developmental spurts. And so is it just a season we need to work through? Is there some, something we need to implement? Is it a family meeting that needs to happen? But I think if we're, we're looking at other things and we're feeling bad about our life, we kind of need to stop looking at the other things and, and take a second to kind of huddle up and figure out what's going on in our little world. Um, Because we do want to, we either feel bad or we judge others and neither one is in line with the gospel. And so um, I think it's, it's simplifying motherhood. Um, I was recently in Mexico visiting with migrants and their women and children traveling from Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala, fleeing evil, fleeing violence. And they're in these centers. And the one of the centers I was in was for unaccompanied minors And just like all of you who have a heart for children without families, I knew my heart would be broken to see children separated from their families. I didn't know that I would see children with children. I met an 11-year-old with a one-week-old baby, a 14-year-old with an eight-month-old baby that they had had their children there at the center. And it hit me that in America, we are overcomplicating motherhood. Mm -hmm. We are making it, if whatever formula you see on Instagram or whatever technique, if it's not helping you love, connect, or care for your kids, then it's not for you. And if it don't, if you don't think it would help Wendy from Honduras living in the migrant center, then it's probably not true. Like it's not going through the, the filter of the gospel because I don't, I don't think God would call her a bad mom. Um, she was loving and caring and connected with her child in a really tender, sweet way. And um, I I just think I I just I got sad for a lot of the moms I minister to that are living in such a place of defeat and guilt and failure because the enemy keeps lying to them through social media or other um, methods. And I just want to preach like love, connect and care for your kids. The end. Hey guys, I hope you're really enjoying my episode with Heather McFadden. It was so fun to chat with her and to get to cover a topic that you guys have been asking for for a very long time. Before we get back to that, I want to take a quick break to talk about one of the biggest new rollouts happening for the Adoptive Mom podcast, and that is the Patreon community. So for those of you who don't know, Patreon is a website that allows creatives to earn back money to offset costs and other things involved with producing their content, which for me is this podcast that you're listening to to right now. So I know that a lot of you don't know this, but I'm actually losing money on this thing. And that is how much I love you. But a lot of you have been asking about how you can support the podcast and give back. 
And this is one of those ways. So Patreon includes a lot of different tiers. This podcast has five right now. And that's the first one is at $3. The last one is at $50. There's obviously a lot of ground in there to find a tier that works for you. And what the benefits are, are a lot of things, but included is like, there's a subscription box, which that's really fun. You should totally do that. There's discount codes. There's early access to live events. And the two that I am most excited about, well, I'm pretty excited about the subscription box, but I'm, I'm also really excited about these two things. And this is including in included in most of the tiers offered. And that is a weekly bonus show. Woohoo! So it's going to be a solo show and I'm going to be deep diving on the topic at hand. There's going to be research and verses and questions and all kinds of stuff. And to go along with it is a set of study materials for a five-day study. Y'all, I'm so excited to be partnering and joining with you on um, like a daily basis instead of just Mondays, which is so fun. Um, This week, I'm offering both of these things for free to give you guys a taste. So be sure to catch me on Friday following this episode and you'll have access to the weekly bonus show for free this week, including the bonus materials, which you can find on the website. So how you can join me on Patreon, go to the adoptedmompodcast.com, click on the Patreon button and get started. It's going to be really affordable and it's really going to help the podcast to keep on rolling. Okay. Thank you guys so much. And back to the show. It's funny that you said that you hold that up to those migrant women and if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Or, you know, if it's not true for them, it's not true for me. And I, I've i always, so I read Little House on the Prairie growing up. And so for some yes. reason, I always <laughs> think like, would Ma Ingalls have struggled with this? Yes, right. <laughs> like, you know, in their in their covered wagon in the middle of nowhere, like their kids turned out okay. And mm-hmm. anyway, I mm-hmm. I think I, I try. Unless to- they just go blind and even then she turned out great. Right. She's you know, blind. not yes. not hashtag goals, but still. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you know. We'll avoid scarlet fever and stuff, but um, <laughs> uh, best we can. Yeah, listeners, thank you for indulging me on uh, nerding out on Little House on the Prairie for a minute. Um, <laughs> Hilarious, I know, but I I love that, and I think that you know that takes it back to that authenticity. I think that, um, uh, like I said, you know, I I looked around and I said, this can't just be me. This cannot just be so hard for me. You know, you look at things like attachment and love and yeah. mother. You know, mothering. Uh, tendencies and and maternal instincts and all of these things that don't you know you're taking a situation that is so broken and yeah. regardless yeah. of of the pretty picture that a lot of people would love to paint on it and I mean even I, it's beautiful but it's it's so much like the gospel you know it's beauty from ashes it's it's life from death something mm-hmm. had to die for us to have this adoption or for 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 this adoption to be made possible. And so honoring that, but looking at it and say, this isn't natural, you know, I, this was never, you know, this was never God's intention. This was never the plan. It it can be the plan after brokenness, but looking at that and saying, how could it possibly just be all rainbows and butterflies? It's not. And so other people have to be struggling with these things. And so after I started the podcast, I learned that they were, you know, there were people yeah. coming out of the woodwork saying, thank you for talking about these things. No one is saying these things. No one has said, you know, hey, I don't even love my kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I said, like, or simplifying it, all these extra things. I mean, let's get down to those three, love, connect, and care. That is really hard when you're dealing with a child from a tra- traumatic, pl- like a that's dealing with trauma themselves. Mm-hmm. When love is so 
misshapen in their mind. They don't have a framework for that. Then, or care, you just want to care for them and they're not letting you, or you, you want to connect and attach and it's not possible. So if those three are hard for the moms listening who are adopting, let's give her grace to recognize, you know, like grieve with her. She's trying to do this simple formula and it is, she's finding blocks at every turn. And so I agree with you. If you're listening, you're like, yes, I am struggling to, to care, love and connect with my kids. Um, I hear you and I am, I am sad with you. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's so, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to honor that, like you said, um, for ourselves, because I think that we, we are taught from such a young age in this culture to to seek after tangible results to to seek after mm-hmm. the check marks and motherhood is not tangible it's it's often you know often you don't see the results until they're older and you're like okay you know they um they're not drug dealers or you know maybe they are but maybe they are and god <laughs> can still use a train wreck with grace Absolutely. to redeem a soul yeah but yeah. every day when you're like you know what uh i'm going to bed now everyone's still through fits everyone's still sat in timeout um you know how can i stamp success on this how can i say you know good job mama you did it. Like it doesn't feel like that. And and I think that there's there's so many there's so many measurements that we hold ourselves up against and it's so hard to find that that bar that that Jesus is setting for us um among all the other bars that we set for ourselves and the others set for us and you know, you even mentioned in marriage, you know, I think that that can be, I mean, that's a whole other episode, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a struggle when you have different expectations for parenting and just whatever else. So, you know, yeah. how, what are, what are some of the just like, um, bullet point ways that you minister to the moms that, li- you know, listen to your podcast, um, which if you're listening, you should be listening to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. But, um, what what are some of those ways that you just say, hey, like let's stop doing that? Obviously, <laughs> let's 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 look for Jesus's bar. Well, I want to first acknowledge what you said that this whole idea of going to bed feeling like a failure, even though you have poured out your love and you have made attempts to connect and you have cared for their needs, that the outcome is not the measure. Your obedience is the measure. You. Mm. You put in that effort and God sees that it's not, he's not missing it. It's no small thing to him. And maybe it's not something you can post on Instagram. Hey, look, look at, look at how I loved and was rejected by my kids today. Look how I made this nice meal and it got thrown on the floor. Um, it, but it's not basing your acceptance and worth on how how your love is received. You're you're not Jesus didn't love us because of how we would receive his love. You know, for God so loved the world. Period. Not because you were so great and you did all these things, God so loved the world. He he loved first and then um even gave even more of himself and so I think to remember that piece of the gospel is really important in these situations. And I, and I think all of us, all of us are looking for this gold star at the end of the day to say, it's from childhood. We get a plus (laughs) for doing, putting in good effort and getting a good result. And when you put in good effort and you don't get a quote unquote good result, uh, we struggle, you know, and I think in God's definition of good 
it's different than ours. It's different than ours. And we, um, we have to recognize that his, his good is always, uh, so much bigger than an Instagram post. His good is reminding that he's the creator and he's the ultimate decider and that, and that eternity is good. So reframing any situation to, okay, that didn't feel very good in this moment. And anyone looking in would say, yeah, that really stinks how that day just went. But God's smiling at you and he sees you. And one phrase I always tell moms is you are so important, but you're not essential. And to keep that in mind, you, we know that the role of a mom is important as adoptive moms. You see that disconnect if, especially if kids are coming into your home and and they have been a part of foster care for a long time or uh, they're older and, and there's a lot of trauma that's happened prior to getting to you. Or even if um, I have fr- a friend who, um, one child she adopted internationally and he ha- does not struggle at all with attachment. And then a child she adopted domestically does. I mean, you just, each child is so unique. And so we can see that, that that role matters. Um, it's important, but not essential because I have really great friends in ministry doing amazing things, living their lives full on for Jesus. And, uh, they never had a mom. So we can't say that we're essential to a human being following after God and, and seeking his will if if I know friends who never had a quote-unquote birth uh, mom, birth mom or biological mom or even uh, a grandparent stepping in to be that mom role, and they can still, God can still use them. So we kind of have to remove this pressure that it's up to us to turn out uh, a child who's functioning, um, but to be faithful and obedient in each day to pour in that love, connection, and care as best we can, not based on the results. Yes, and I, I always say, you know, we're the o- we're the only the main character of our own story, and our story involves saying yes to God um, and yes to what He's asked to do us to do. And like you said earlier, you know, obedience is the mark of success, not those tangible results. Um, and so if we, you know, if we keep in mind and we're centering ourselves, not, you know, obviously God is the center of our story, but if we're, we're saying, you know, Hey, that journey is not mine. I am a tool in that journey, but it's not mine. It's not my job to be the end all be all for that story. Um, but yeah, I just, I love what you said earlier too, just reminding me, reminding us that his ways are not our ways and that they're better and that, you know, holding him to human standards is not, was never the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Are you, um, good gosh, I have like a whole page of just quotes and like amazing things that you've said. Um, are you cool with moving into some of these closing questions? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. And I always try to tailor these to my guests. So, you know, the first question I always ask is if you, if someone were to, you know, at the beginning of your journey into sharing your motherhood via podcasting or just via blogging or, or however, um, you know, whatever that looks like, if you, if someone were to just grab you by the shoulders and talk to you back then, what do you wish they would have said? Hmm. I wish they would have said, uh, God has a unique story for you. Trust him. Don't feel like you have to hustle and connect and strive to attain it. That's it. 
Yes. Oh, good. And so, you know, the next question I always ask is how did your tribe support you? And usually that's, that's talking about adoption and, um, you know, how did your, how did your people support you when you got your placements or through your story? But, you know, for you, I think that's going to look like, you know, how, what is the best way that you have felt supported in your ministry toward, uh, toward moms? Um, I would say that I kind of kept what I was doing separate from my friendships for a long time. (laughs) Because it was easier for me to be authentic and vulnerable with someone behind a screen than with someone who sees me day to day. And I even had a moment where a friend, I had written about depression and seeing a counselor, and she emailed me and talked about how my, she put in quotes, you're um, not feeling like yourself, because that's the phrase I used, how it impacted her and how she was hurt by my depression. And it just felt like a slap in the face. Like I put myself out here onto the interwebs with something really hard and a friend came and kind of told me that it hurt her. And so um, then I was even more hesitant, right, to invite people into this ministry. I think it was actually when I um, I did my first live event a, over a year ago, almost two years ago, when I thought I have so many talented friends and they love me and they want to be a part of this. And so I uh, asked them, you know, friends I knew that were good at centerpieces, would they help? And friends that I knew that were great at decor or um, dec- uh, designing the T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. I just invited them in. And it was so cool to see how God used this posse I already had to minister to women who had listened to the show that I hadn't met face to face. So that was really cool. Then one of my friends hosted a podcast club, invited a bunch of our other friends. And I thought that was really sweet that, you know, it just felt weird. This is something I'm putting out there for other moms, not people that I know. And for her to host that and was just really kind. And then I've had a lot of my friends on the show as guests, which has been cool to invite the world into those friendships and get to share stories that are close to my heart. I love that. But, and I think that that's so true. It even goes back to Jesus's ministry, you know, that he, he, he didn't minister in his hometown because it's really hard when you have history with someone and you're trying to be authentic and that's not the view of you that they have. Um, Cause I have totally found that to be true is that it's so much easier for me to you know, say really hard things behind a microphone. And then when I'm talking to my friend, I don't say those things because, you know, it's, it just happens. It's the, and so anyway, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Um, And the flip side of that question is always what is not helpful? What has hurt you or how have you felt misunderstood? Um, And I know that you just gave an example of an email that you got. Is there another way that's like, Hey guys, don't do this. Um, I think that, Having podcasted for five years, I'm on my own journey of how God's opening my eyes to different things and how I see the world. Hopefully, we're all growing and being sanctified. And as a part of that, I think sometimes listeners, not even my friends, but listeners um, maybe aren't on that same journey. And so I'll have a guest on or I'll have a conversation and it's hard for them because they weren't ready for it. And so they'll reach out to me and and give feedback. And I think that's, it's hard. I have to, I actually, if someone emails me, I'll say, hey, what's your phone number? (laughs) And we'll talk on the phone because I just feel like it's so easy for us to be critical of 
um, people from a distance. And so to have, you know, a heart to heart conversation and really hear what are you struggling with in this? And just to kind of come alongside her in that, um, gently, just like God does with me when I'm working through something. So I think that's been hard. Um, but good, good for my refining and hopefully ministering to other people as they're learning more about who God is. I love that idea, just stripping away those barriers between you and 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 someone who has something negative to say. I think that that's that's not only incredibly mature, but I think that it's good for for those of us who um, are a little bit more in front of you know an audience, so to speak, than others. I think it's it's a great testimony that you're the one saying no. Let's get down to business here. Let's let's talk about that. Um, and so, w- what do you wish you had done differently? Hmm. Well, seasons apparently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what do I wish? I think I wish I would have invited uh, people. Well, I didn't really have the money, but it would have been nice to have help earlier on mm-hmm. in editing um, and different things. I don't know. I'm always, I'm not, I'm not a look backer kind of person. So it's hard to say because I think we do the best that we can when we can. I think in motherhood too, sometimes we want to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have X, Y, and Z. And if you could have, then you would have, I think, because we're all doing our best. And so (laughs) if we could have, we would have, and to give ourselves grace that we did the best that we could and with what we had and the maturity and the experience and the healing that we'd been through. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer. You know, I, I love that though. And I think that, you know, you mentioned you're an Enneagram four. I am a one wing two. So I am all over looking back and over analyzing <laughs> things. And so this is definitely yeah. something I struggle with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that yeah. reformer mindset, you know, if we could yeah, only it reform, could be better. if, if we, we could, could only reform better. what already <laughs> happened, then that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll never be ending. You'd always be editing until you're a robot. And then oh. that, where's the fun in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, that robot, that robot finish line is one that I avoid a lot. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So if you could sum it all up, what is your greatest piece of advice or encouragement to you? And, you know, I'm going to ask you to speak to those moms who were in your shoes, who are, you know, they, they might feel a pull toward adoption, but they're not there yet, or their husband's not there yet, or maybe their husband never will be. What is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for them? I would say... Um, I know you're going to want to Google a lot and do a lot of research, but spend as much time or more time uh, surrendering that desire to the Lord. Take really, I mean, we say we're going to quote unquote pray about it, um, but I would say pray first and pray for if if this is truly God's desire for your family, that he would move in your spouse's heart um, and and God can and will. I've seen it happened in other aspects of our marriage where we were at an impasse on a topic and I didn't go toe to toe with him. I instead took it to God and uh, God, God changed his heart. So we can, we can trust him to do that. And then to also pray, Lord, if it's not your will, give me the comfort to know that your way is higher and your way is better. Mm, good stuff, Heather McFadden. I am I'm so grateful that you came on my show. This was this was like just really cool to full circle. Like I said, you know, your your show was such an inspiration for me to start my own podcast. And so it's such a blessing and honor that you are talking to me right now on my podcast. It's so cool. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. So what is your favorite terrible for you food? Like just shameful junk food that you would eat in a closet. What is your favorite? Oh, I have that for sure. Swiss cake rolls, little Debbie's Swiss cake rolls. And I've turned my boys on to liking them. And so we get at least two boxes a week from the grocery store and it's all the self-control in me not to sneak in the closet and eat them. <laughs> really good. I love really that. That good. can be like your, I had a bad day. I deserve this. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Although I don't do that very often. I'm not like a stress eater. So that's good. I oh, guess. Oh man, what's, what's that like? I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like a late night eater, stress eater. I don't know why, but um, I do just love a Swiss cake roll. This is good. <laughs> oh, that's, that's goals right there. That's like my MO, late night stress eater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, getting all my feelings out with all the crying all the time. So maybe that's, I release the stress through tears and it, that's, that's what I do. Maybe that's true. I've been doing uh, intermittent fasting, so I can't eat past 8 p.m. And so. Oh, it's, bless. Yeah, okay. It's refining my heart a lot. So. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> no. And it may be that my husband doesn't either. Like he doesn't eat after we're done with dinner, like kitchen's closed. We don't even go in there. Like lights are out. We don't. So that helps. Oh, that man. it's not like he's eating and I'm not, but yeah, that would just become a habit. Yeah, that would be helpful. Okay, well, <laughs> you know what? The, you you just gave advice on something you weren't even trying to. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I love oh. it. Well, okay, thanks, Heather. <laughs> Thank you so much.